We made this. Welcome to Life's Milestones, the podcast on the We Made This Podcast Network about naming ceremonies and birth, weddings and relationships, and death and funerals. My name's Mark Adams and I am a humanist celebrant. That means that I am accredited and insured by Humanists UK to write and deliver non-religious ceremonies for everybody. I'm your host for Life's Milestones and every fortnight... I have a different guest to talk about the milestones in their lives. Except that this is a bit late. And if you follow us on Twitter, you'll know why. I spilt a can of Coke on my laptop and it didn't work until I got it fixed. So huge apologies for the week's delay. But I spilled a can of Coke on my computer. (sighs) What's really frustrating is that it is actually the year anniversary of Life's Milestones, or it was a couple of weeks ago. So I just wanted to apologise again that I didn't mark the year's anniversary as I was sat at home waiting for my computer to get fixed. But yeah, a year of Life's Milestones, it feels like... I think with lockdown it feels like it's been five minutes and forever while I've been doing this podcast... I'd recorded a number of episodes face-to-face before lockdown happened, before we were all not meeting each other in person. And the whole intention of this podcast was to get chatting with friends face-to-face over a cup of tea in somebody's front room. That didn't happen. And you know what? I'm still very, very pleased with the last year of Life's Milestones because I've had some incredible guests. I've sourced them from all over the internet, really. It's not just been me sat down chatting with friends like the original intention. I've had guests from all over the world. I've had queer guests that I would never have got in touch with, probably, if it wasn't for the fact that I had to find people to record with online. And obviously, that is what we're doing at the moment. We are about halfway through a series of guests that I found off the Queer Podcasting Alliance. I've had someone from Mexico, I've had someone from America, and next up is someone from Canada. My guest this time is Nancy Shadlock, and she's got some fascinating stories that I know you're going to love. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to pass over to my interview with Nancy after this. Hi, I'm Brad Shreve, and I'm the host of Queer Writers of Crime, the podcast where I interview LGBTQ authors of mystery, suspense, and thriller novels. Do you think all queer novels are literary works about coming out or the AIDS crisis, or are they all about romance and erotica? I did. Hell, I like erotica as much as anyone, but it's not all I want to read. Now I know there's more, and I want to share it. Not only do queer crime novels exist, There's so many, they have a special category on Amazon. Don't listen if you want to hear about each writer's techniques, when or how they write, 
There's plenty of other podcasts that do that. I dig into each author's personal lives and what makes them tick. Usually I can't help myself when we steer off again into another conversation about sex and mysteries, how much is too much and how much is too little. It's Queer Writers of Crime and available each week everywhere you listen to podcasts. With me at this time is Nancy Shadlock. Hello, Nancy. Hello, Mark. Welcome to Life's Milestones. I'm, at the moment, I'm kind of working through nations, so I'm really pleased to have Canada represented this time. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so I'm going to do a very brief guest profile before we get on to the meaty questions about birth and marriage and death. So normally a rude question, but I know you know I'm going to ask it. Can I ask how old you are? I am 38 for one more month. (laughs) So where are you from? And tell me a little bit about your background. I'm from here in Canada. Um, A small town called Drumheller is where I was born. And mostly have lived in Alberta for most of my life, except for I did grow up for a few years in Kenya. And I also have lived in Australia and did my master's in Vancouver, but now I'm back in Alberta, which is the main city I'm in is Calgary. Well, that's pretty well traveled though. <laughs> yeah, I've been around. Brilliant. So I, I know you are a life coach based in Calgary and that you've got your podcast called The Coming Out Chronicles. Tell me about those things. Tell me what makes you cool. <laughs> Somebody asked me in a group recently, like, explain badly what you do. And I was like, I make people gay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the short answer. But you can probably imagine that I don't actually make them gay. I just help them come become comfortable with who they truly are and empower Mm -hmm. them to share that with their world in a way that feels good to them. Not in a way that feels like, oh, there's this thing about me that you should know. But like, hey, I've come to realize this about myself. And I'd like you to know about it and love me too. So people are always surprised that Celebrant is my business, my actual job. I, I don't do anything else. That is how I make my living. Is this your full-time job working as a as a life coach? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I offer one-to-one coaching and I do retreats. And do you get as much surprise as I do or is that quite normal in Canada? No, I think a lot of people are amazed that you could do that because it's you know, entrepreneurship is a hard road in in many ways, and you have to be creative and you have to put yourself out there. But I think that it is possible when you start dreaming bigger. Brilliant stuff. It's it's inspiring what you do. And um, I've hated being restrained by the coronavirus restrictions. Has, have you struggled with that or has you just been carrying on? Thankfully, I'd already set up my business online well before corona hit. So it's been a little bit seamless for me in some ways. I I was offering in-person retreats and I've pivoted to offering online retreats, but it's cool because now people can join from wherever. At my last retreat, I had someone from the UK join in. So it was wonderful. Amazing. I mean, obviously for me, the vast majority of people just simply don't want an online wedding. Yeah. But how are people finding the online retreats? Do you think you'll do in-person retreats again or is this a permanent change? I have actually enjoyed doing the online ones because it takes out a lot of the logistical problems. Um, And we've still been able to go really deep 
at the same time, I also really love nature and like extricating people from their normal life so that they can see things in a new way. And so maybe I'll have some kind of hybrid in the future when things open up again. Brilliant. I think that's pretty much the, the right it's got to be the right answer hasn't it that <laughs> if you've proved you can do it online but it is just nicer mm-hmm. doing things in person isn't it I think we've all learned that this year yeah we miss each other I think <laughs> so tell me about the coming out chronicles did you start it because of your job like I did yeah yeah I I realized I get to hear all kinds of cool coming out stories and I'm with people sometimes at the verge of it when they're like, I'm sometimes the first person that someone shares that with. And then I also Mm. have a lot of people in my network that have been out for years and years and are successful in their careers and things. And so I wanted to be able to showcase people's stories so that others could be inspired by them and, and realize like, yes, it's terrifying sometimes to come out, but look at all this beautiful stuff that's on the other side of the door so that it's not so daunting. You know that there's going to be goodness that will come from sharing this truth in the world. I think every LGBT person has a coming out story, regardless of whether they are LGBTQIAAP or any other type of queer, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love hearing them. It's something I've always, always enjoyed. So your podcast is such a brilliant idea. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've also interviewed a few people that aren't necessarily queer because okay. I think that there are there's a universalness in that that fear of I have this thing about me that's more true that I'm realizing now and I want you to know about it but it's scary to to share it. And so I had a sex therapist share about her experience of coming out as a sex therapist rather than just a regular therapist and how her, her husband was like, oh, don't say that at parties. And like other people in her field were like, oh, you're doing that. And so helping people really be able to enter each other's shoes and understand that we're all going through different things and be a little bit gentler with each other. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. So let's move on and talk about birth. So where and when and how were you born? I was born in Drumheller, Alberta, Canada, in a hospital. My mom Mm -hmm. had had a C-section four years before when my sister was born. And so they just in those days automatically did another C-section. And I was born at about eight in the morning, kind of first surgery of the day. And (laughs) there I was. It was right around Easter. And a funny story that I have around it is that my dad, he likes to do these kinds of like entering in with the story of of the other. And so I think he was trying to go through this journey of nine months with my mom in a visible way. And so he was growing a beard the whole time. And right. then, um, so he was there at the birth with the beard and then he went home and showered up and, and came back and had shaved. And the nurses weren't going to let him in because it was only family allowed. (laughs) (laughs) What a good idea. But it came and burnt him, didn't it? it Thankfully, he had my sister with him and they recognized her. (laughs) (laughs) Does make a difference, though, a big ass beard and then no beard. Mm -hmm. It makes a huge difference. I I know people that have done like a lockdown beard and then shaved it off. And the difference in the appearance is massive. Yeah, it's really huge. I saw Jim Carrey had a beard recently. I was like, wow. Mm. 
Yeah, it's, it's like a spade, Jim Carrey's beard, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I want to talk about the C-section very briefly. Did your mum get like a scheduled time because they knew they were going to have a C-section? I think so. I, I think probably, yeah. Good grief. I mean, that's sort of convenient, but I mean, yeah. <laughs> there's, a, there's a price to pay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it, it happens all the time, I think, nowadays, and especially... Some not some parents opt for that because then they can figure out their childcare for their other children and just control their life <laughs> a bit more. <laughs> I think that's kind of cool, but also kind of bloody hell modern life, isn't it? Strange. Yeah, it's so strange, <laughs> totally. So tell me a favorite story about your childhood. What something interesting about when you grew up? Something that I really loved was playing outside, and I also had a really alive imaginary life. And so I had this imaginary friend named Uncle George, and I would often tell my family stories about this Uncle George and what we would do. And he had a chicken with a steering wheel on its head, and I would ride this chicken around. Amazing. And one day, my mom and I were driving around in the countryside in a place I'd never been before, I don't think. And I pointed over and was like, oh, that's Uncle George's house over there. And she just kind of looked at me puzzled and she actually needed to go to that house. And so she went there and sure enough, his name was George. I was <laughs> just like, what? I mean, as coincidences go, they didn't have chickens as well, did they? <laughs> Probably. It was a farmhouse. <laughs> we should have gone and looked for the one with the steering wheel. <laughs> what was the chicken with the steering wheel's name? I don't know. I only know the chicken with the steering wheel. Uh, so Uncle George never told you? No. Sure. <laughs> Amazing. So do you have children yourself? I do. And I have some unique stories about how they were conceived, if you would like to hear those. I would love to hear those. <laughs> so when I met my wife, we couldn't decide who should go first for having kids. We knew we both wanted to. And we knew that right. we couldn't decide. And so we kind of were up for playing a bit of Russian roulette. <laughs> and, <yeah. laughs> okay. We also, in Canada, we get a year of maternity leave when a baby is born. And so we wanted to each have a baby so that we could have a year together with our whole family and just like get to know each other. And right. so we opted for that and we found a, a known donor that was willing to provide us with some sperm. We did at home insemination so that it wasn't this like weird medical procedure, but it was our, you know, coming together in love. And we both got pregnant around the same time. And our babies were born 25 days apart. <laughs> with the same donor? Same donor, yeah. Does that make them twins? We call them twiblings, twin siblings. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> I love this. What a lovely, lovely idea. Yeah. That's fantastic. One of the other beautiful things about it was that we both got to breastfeed both babies and have that connection that we wouldn't have otherwise had. And that's been so beautiful. That's so lovely. Are they in the same school year? You didn't like miss a school year with that, that difference in age? No, they're... 25 days, yeah. They're they're only three right now, so they're not in school yet, but they will be in the same class. This is fascinating. Do you think they'll be treated like they're twins? Yeah, probably. They they mostly do now. 
I think they'll be able to mess with people at school when they're like, it's, you want to come to my birthday? And then the other one will be like, do you want to come to my birthday? <laughs> be like, what? It's not the same one. <laughs> I approve of this. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is so lovely. I would have never have thought of that. But then again, I'm not a gay woman. So, you know. Right. <laughs> All kinds of options and ways we can be creative. That's Oh, that's awesome. I love this idea. What a fantastic idea. So when they were born, did you have a naming ceremony or a christening or any other ceremony to welcome them into the world? Yeah, we did. So our we had a midwife that helped us with our birth. We both gave birth at the hospital, but our midwife saved both of the placentas for us. And first off, mm-hmm. she made a really beautiful print of our placentas kind of stamped on a paper together. And so they kind of look like they're intertwined, which is really neat. And then she dried the placentas and made a powder for us to use at a ceremony. And so we had a backyard ceremony with our friends and family. And we planted a rose for each of them. And then each person at the ceremony came and sprinkled some of the placenta on the rose as a fertilizer. It's um, really helpful to help roses grow. And so it's beautiful that they could sprinkle kind of their wishes for each child on their rose. Wow, that's that's exactly the kind of thing that I love where people come up with their own ritual and create their own. Mm-hmm. Who did you use? Who took the ceremony? I think that we got the same man that married us. So when I first came out, I was raised quite Christian and my parents had a hard time with that. And mm-hmm. I had met a man in my travels, in my studies, because I, I did a Master of Arts in Spiritual Formation and journey with people kind of helping them pay attention to how the divine is showing up in their life and so this man that I'd met in my studies he had a daughter who would come out and she wanted him to marry her and her wife and he was like yes of course I will do that he was a pastor at the time and he lost his job as a pastor by saying yes good grief but yeah he's like continually been an advocate for them and loved and has so much graciousness. And so I knew he was a really good person for my parents to talk to when I came out because he could right. help them navigate all of that. And he really was helpful. And then he ended up doing our ceremony when we got married. And then he also came and did the blessing. So what does he call himself now? Is he a religious celebrant, a preacher? What would he call? What, I mean, obviously I have a job title. What's what's mm-hmm. his job title? He, I think he just does those on the side. His main title is spiritual director, which is kind of the formal training that I've had too. And he just, you know, offers those on the side. We still had to get a license from our province when we got married. And we had to have someone that was licensed within the province to do that. And he wasn't. But yeah, he provided a very beautiful ceremony for us. Amazing. So... Similar to what I would do, be doing then is creating a ceremony for the the family, for the people. But then you have to go and sign a certificate officially with the government. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, that's so lovely. And um, if you had more kids, would you do the same? Um, probably. I, I don't know. I haven't thought about that. Maybe we'll figure <laughs> out some other really special thing to do for that. Right. Yeah. That's brilliant stuff. Brilliant. All 
Right, so we're going to move on and talk about your wedding. I mean, I, I know you're married. Normally I ask if you're married, but you've already said you're married. <laughs> so tell me about your wedding day. So I first should back up and tell you about the day I fell in love with my wife, because it all intersects. <laughs> we had met at a, a queer church, actually. There was a, a queer church that had started set up in our town around the same time. And we we met and then we decided to go for coffee and started to get to know each other a little bit. It was a bit awkward at that first coffee, but then we met again to go for a walk. And this time it was a little bit more relaxed. We were starting to get to know each other better. And it was a mm. February day here in Canada that was like really icy. And we, the way that I usually walked along the river was this sharp bank that we had to get down to get to the path. And it was covered in ice. And I was like, we can go back if you want. And she's like, no, 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 I want to do this walk with you. And so I was like, well, the best way is just to kind of slide on your bum down. <laughs> And so she <laughs> sat down and did it and squealed the whole way down. And as she did that, I was like, I want to have fun with this girl for a long time. <laughs> so that was kind of the moment that it clicked for me. And then that pathway was close to where I lived and we walked it often. And so then when we came time to, for us to get married, we realized like, wouldn't it be beautiful to get married in that same river area? And so on our wedding day, we walked down that same hill and got married right in this area of trees that was really beautiful. Amazing. The moment that I realized my dad was for me in this was he offered to come and weed whack a path, kind of the aisle for us to get down to a <laughs> certain spot. And I was like, okay, he's in. And it felt really nice. <laughs> you know, your dad's in. If, brilliant. You if he's going to weed whack. <laughs> Good. If he read wax, I love that. Oh dear, I, I don't think you need any reason for my dad to have a weed whack. He loves kind of <laughs> dumb shit. At the age of seventy-five, he bought himself a fucking chainsaw, and I was like, "Dad, you don't need that." <laughs> I love this. I love how dads all over the world are exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> so you found this wonderful venue, and. So did you both come down the aisle as a gay couple? Did you come down together? Did you have separate aisles? How did you play that? Right. Um, so most people were waiting down below at the river spot. And my dad brought me and she was waiting at the top of the hill and met us. And we had a moment together. And then her and I walked down together into the, the wedding venue. Lovely. That's really lovely. Because these sort of things... I love messing with the format, but mm -hmm. keeping it beautiful. And that's exactly the kind of perfect way of of dealing with that, I think. That's, that's lovely. Mm -hmm. Did everything go right? Or have you got a funny story you can tell me about your wedding day? Hmm. Yeah, I think mostly it was pretty streamlined. Like it was more, I would say, before the wedding that we we had to wrestle through a lot of different things because my wife is quite introverted and I'm quite social and have large community <laughs> and so it was a lot of negotiating of only having a few people at the ceremony itself and then having right. a larger gathering at the at the hall later where everyone could come and join in and celebrate with us brilliant so at this reception there are certainly in britain and everyone i've spoken to internationally so far you have your first dance did you have one and if you did what was your song I don't think we did have our first dance. 
we didn't really have a dance at it. It was pretty non-traditional. We had cupcakes. We didn't necessarily have a cake. Oh, no, we had macaroons. Ooh. French macaron, I should say, right? And, yeah, we. I don't think we had a dance. We just were there. The song that we had play at some point, though, was I Choose You. I choose you. That one. Amazing. <laughs> and is this a Canadian thing that you don't really do that? Or was it just you and your wife that decided not to do that? It was just us. Yeah, I think most, most places have a dance. I think it was, you know, it was still quite fresh that we were coming out. And so having mm. such a p- public um, experience was stretching in many ways. And so the idea of just us dancing in the middle of the room with family who probably weren't even feeling comfortable with us getting married in the first place felt like quite mm. loaded. So we opted not to do that. So did you have any problems with people not wanting you to get married? Yeah, we did. We had a few different people that were either not able to come to the wedding or choosing not to come to the wedding um, because they couldn't support it. We had a few people talk to us about different things. And we had a few things that we've realized now were misunderstandings. And so being able Mm. to kind of work back into relationship with some people who we felt quite hurt by has been helpful. I think in a lot of ways, people realize that after a certain amount of time, this is a gay relationship that isn't going away. Mm -hmm. And it's at that point that they realize they've got to like it or lump it. And potentially, you know, they can lose you if they don't accept who, who you are and what you've decided to do with your life, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, obviously, it's a shame that there were some people that didn't go to your wedding. But I think it's a testament to you and your wife that you are prepared to go into like a discourse with people and potentially remain friends with people who didn't come to your special day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been it's been a journey of having grace and being open to dialogue and open to humility and open to speaking truth. And it's been a good challenge. So you mentioned that you have faith. What would you call your your faith currently or your worldview? And was that an element of your wedding? Yeah, I would say I'm one of the hashtags I use recently is ex-evangelical. So I used, okay. used to be evangelical and kind of deconstructed it. And I would say now, like, I'm I'm spiritual I'm not particularly aligned to any religion. I bring in spirituality from many different traditions. And as I've studied different traditions, I realize like the mystics, the people who really have leaned into it from all the different paths come back to the same place of love. And so that's kind of the the basis of what I believe nowadays. Yeah, I think for the longest time I was like, I'm atheist. And that's quite confrontational. I think as I've discovered my humanism, I love discourse. I love discovering the similarities rather than the differences that I have with people of faith, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the tools that's helped me a lot is called human design. You heard of that? Yeah. I love that it's brought together many different 
kind of spiritual traditions like the chakras and I Ching and the astrology and um, Kabbalah and into one place. And then there's kind of the next step of that is the gene keys, which really brings it into the spiritual realm of this is the sphere of your purpose. And these are the three words for it. There's a shadow word for it. There's a gift word for it. There's a fullest fulfillment of what you living your purpose could look like. And it's given Mm. me a framework of being spiritual again in a time where I kind of felt like I had to let go of all the different practices and all the different ladders that I was holding on to. And so this is kind of a new, new way of entering into that and contemplating like really sitting with something and noticing it amazing all right so we'll now move on and we'll talk about death and the first question is the one that well i've always considered was the big one but people don't seem to when they respond to it but it is are you scared of death no you know, I, I worry sometimes that the process of death might hurt a bit, depending on what way I go. But I am mm. not scared of the afterlife. Like I feel very much like there's a very thin line between this life and the afterlife or whatever's next. Like we're all energy and I'm working now to create paradise in our world now. And I don't know, I, I feel like... After I die, it will be somehow similar or I'll come back again in a different body or other, I don't know. I just feel like it's way bigger than just alive, dead. Yeah, I mean, I think from what you say, I, again, going back to the similarities rather than the difference that I have with people of faith, I love the idea of making the world a better place because the next generation will inherit what you have created. And I don't believe that there is a life after death, but I think the fact that you and I have similar attitudes towards what we do now is more important than that part of what I believe, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. So the next question is really serious as well. Have you ever experienced the death of a loved one? Yeah, I've had... Uh, my grandpa died. We we were living with him when he when I was ten. We moved in with him to kind of take care of him for the last year of his life, and it was really beautiful to get to have that experience. And then um, I remember the day that he passed. My dad came to pick me up at the airport. I'd come back from a flight, and and I was like, "Is Grandpa here?" And he said, "No, he's not here." And the way he said it, I realized that he's not even here, here, like on the earth. Mm. It was quite sad, um, but kind of a beautiful thing was the last thing that he had written in his journal before he passed was Nancy comes home today. And so, Oh, that's adorable. Yeah, it's pretty special. Mm. Do you think it was to your advantage that you knew that you didn't have much time and you kind of lived with him knowing that? Or do you think that made it harder? Um, I don't think at that point I really thought one way or another, like I was still kind of in that kid mode where you just are where you are. And so I enjoyed the interactions that we had together. And a funny one I remember is 
I asked him, Grandpa, do you know what day it is? And he's like, I don't know, Christmas? I'm like, no. <laughs> like my birthday? I'm like, no. He's like, what is it? I'm like, it's Halloween. He's like, oh. And then I said, what are you going to be for Halloween? And he said, a skeleton? (laughs) Yeah, he really was. Like, he was just skin and bones. That's so funny. Gallows humor. I don't know what it is about it, but it's you laugh, you feel guilty, you laugh again, and then you don't care that you feel guilty. Brilliant. (laughs) Is Halloween a big deal in Canada then? Because it's huge in America. It's kind of sort of kind of popular here but is it a big thing in in Canada I'd say most people do it I don't know if it's a big thing but it's it's up there cool I'm, I'm, I love Halloween but um it's just not as popular here mm. as it is in the states obviously as American culture is now more right easily accessible it's become more popular as I've got older but when I was a kid it was hardly a thing mm. I mm. found it weird I moved to Vancouver for a while and people in BC in that province would light off fireworks on Halloween. I thought that was a very strange tradition. And then, you know, for the UK, we have uh, Guy Fawkes, um, bonfire nights, five days after Halloween, but we don't celebrate Thanksgiving, for example. Mm. Well, we do. We have like a harvest festival in the spring, but is there a kind of a, a national holiday that you just have in Canada that no one else seems to have? Like we have our July 1st Canada Day, but it's very similar to July 4th Independence Day. Mm. We have Thanksgiving as well, but ours is much earlier. It's in October. And I think, yeah, it's, it's strange to me that Americans are so big with their Thanksgiving and it's so close to Christmas. I like that Mm. ours is spaced out a little bit more. Yeah. And um, I think that might be why Halloween was never so popular here, because we had another big event five days later. Right. Are you aware of what Bonfire Night is? Yeah, like burning Guy Fox at the stake. Is that? That's right. The fellow who tried to blow up Parliament. <laughs> How very British to celebrate someone who didn't like politics. <laughs> yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> I think I might have actually been in Edinburgh one time when Guy Fox was happening. Mm. It's, it's just an excuse for fireworks right it's, it's wonderful fireworks a big bonfire when it's cold brilliant i love it but um it is an anomaly in as much as obviously no one else is going to celebrate that someone nearly blew up the british houses of parliament <laughs> yeah <laughs> so we're going to move on and talk about your funeral now Okay. And um, a question that I always ask someone who isn't British, because I've got a little bit of a fascination with it. Is embalming a big deal in Canada or is it something you don't do? Because in Britain, it's it's basically not a thing. Hmm. I've never heard of a funeral with embalming. Really? No, it's, yeah, it's pretty common here. It seems very strange to me because, yeah, why would you inject a body with a bunch of chemicals and then put it into the ground? So it's it's not something you, you were planning to do for yourself? No, I think the thing that I come back to more and more is, like, I spent 10 years of my life tree planting every every summer. I would spend all summer tree planting. That was my summer job to get through college and then to get through my master's. And I just kept going because I loved it. I love being outside. I love trees. I've planted close to a million trees in my life. And so amazing. I really love trees and I love this new possibility of 
getting your ashes put into a pod of a tree and then planting that tree somewhere. And then, you know, generations after me can come and sit by that tree and feel connected to me. So. Right. Brilliant. So when you, when you do die, do you think you'll be buried, cremated, or do you think you'll end up being something else? Well, I think they'll cremate me and then put me into the pod for the tree, like a seed pod kind of thing, or a, yeah i did think that would be probably what you'd want to do i i had no idea about that as a thing before i started this podcast and you've heard others with it yeah one of my guests did some a huge amount of research and you know I, i work in the industry and they came with all these alternative ideas that i hadn't heard of Hmm. and ever since like three or four people have mentioned it now yeah. It's not legal in Britain. Is yeah. it legal in Canada? I, it now? probably isn't either, but whatever. <laughs> um, the thing is, it might be by the time you and I die. We've got yeah. plenty of years left. Yeah, let's hope so. And as I'm saying it, I'm realizing, wow, it's really symbolic, connected to how my children, we blessed them with scattering the ashes of the placenta. Oh, there you go. Brilliant. Yeah, I like that. That kind of like almost like a becomes a family tradition in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. I, I I love the pod idea. I really, really do. And I can see no reason why it shouldn't be legalized. Yeah. Like why not put something into the earth that is good for the whole earth rather than a exactly box that. or chemicals or different things? Mm, exactly that. So have you thought about what reading you might like to be read at your funeral? I would probably choose something from Hafiz. Hafiz is um, a Sufi mystic. So as I was saying, like, if you go to the the mystics of any tradition, you get to the same place of love. And so Hafiz was a, a Muslim mystic. And I love that he writes such beautiful poems there there's such beautiful ways of conveying i would say like a connection with the divine which i love and so Mm. how about this one god and i have become like two giant fat people living in a tiny boat we keep bumping into each other and laughing (laughs) In, in my ideology i see the divine is in everyone that like everyone is a divine person and so the more that I start mm. to see people like that, I, I realize like if I'm bumping into you, it means that you are also God. And I would I could see that being read at my funeral and, and it being this way of people seeing that now more than ever I'm bumping into God and people everywhere if I <laughs> believe that I keep living and keep existing elsewhere. Right. Yeah, I like it. I like that a lot. And um, have you thought about what music you would select for your entrance, reflection and exit of your funeral? I got to play some music at my grandma's funeral. And so I would I would hope that either like my kids or my grandkids would get to play some music at my funeral and that it would be really connected with family. And I'm open to whatever they want to choose. I, I chose something at, at my grandma's funeral that was meaningful to me that a friend of mine had written. And yeah, so I, I, I'll leave it to them to choose what's meaningful for them, what would give them comfort in that time. Right. So you actually played live at, at the funeral. Mm-hmm. I play Lovely. guitar and I sing and 
um, yeah, so I've done that a couple of times. Again, this is fascinating and fantastic. I really like the idea of passing on like family traditions as your ceremonies and you you age yourself. This is really, really thoughtful stuff and really meaningful, I think. Mm, thank you. Yeah, thank you for posing these questions to get me thinking about it and seeing these patterns. Well, I'd be honest, I've completely stolen ideas from people that have come on my <laughs> yeah. podcast for my ceremonies, you know. You're doing me a favour as much as I'm doing you. Right, one. <laughs> yeah. I just love the idea of crafting your own ritual and creating your own meaning. And I just think it can be so beautiful. And you've clearly thought about this and you've clearly got a very close-knit family for which this kind of thing works perfectly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm grateful that people are open to it. Nancy, it's been lovely having you on the podcast. I genuinely like getting people from different countries on to have a chat and, and, and grill them about their culture, I'll be honest. So thank you for indulging me and thank you for being a brilliant guest. Where can people find you on the internet? My website is www.centered.ca and so that's c-e-n-t-e-r-e-d.ca and i'm on all the socials at nancy shadlock amazing anything else that you wanted to talk about before we say cheerio i am grateful that you're doing this work and that you're helping people with these passages of ritual and it's kind of inspiring me to think about how can i support my clients in their passages of coming out I often, in my coaching, have them do some kind of ritual that marks the outward expression of their inward change. Like for myself, I shaved the side of my head because I realized I wanted to have a lesbian haircut, but I had been always scared to do that because people (laughs) would think I was a lesbian. So when I came out, I did it. And so, yeah, inspiring other people to think about, like, what would they do as an outward symbol of what they're doing internally? Fantastic. Thanks again for being on Life's Milestones. Thanks for having me, Mark. I'd just like to say one more thank you to the wonderful Nancy Shadlock for joining me for Life's Milestones and for her patience when I told her that her episode had been nudged back by a week due to some idiot filling his laptop full of Coca-Cola. (laughs) And before I go, I'd like to talk to you about some interesting stuff that I have launched over the last couple of weeks. I'm working with PCW, who are a northern-based British wrestling company. We're bringing to you something quite unusual and special. For those of you that don't know, I have a background in wrestling ring announcing and commentary. And so I'm working with PCW to bring you wrestling weddings. If you've ever wanted to be body-slammed, and then married in the same ring, I can sort that for you. We've got a number of different fun storylines where you can interact with the wrestlers. There's a wrestling show that goes on during your wedding, and you're then married by the ring announcer. Me. So if that does sound like something you would be interested in, it is something that I'm really looking forward to doing. Bringing my two worlds together. Bringing something beautifully peculiar to the wedding industry and I think 
it's a bit niche, but I'm confident that there are some wrestling fans out there that will want that service. So if you are interested in that, have a look at PCW Wrestling on all of the socials and get in touch with me as well if that's something that you're interested in. Before I go, feeling really positive about summer weddings and naming ceremonies. So do get in touch if you've got a new little one or if you're getting married. Who knows, you might have proposed during lockdown. I'm feeling so, so excited about what the future holds and I can't wait to get back to doing what I do as much as I possibly can. So get in touch, claim your life's milestones discount and let me create the perfect wedding for you and your partner or the perfect naming ceremony for your child. I'll work alongside you and we will make something truly special and unique for you. So that's it for Life's Milestones. This time, I'll see you in a fortnight, as long as someone isn't dumb and spills carbonated beverages on his PC. (laughs) So I'll see you next time. Life's Milestones is a podcast on the We Made This Podcast Network. The show's host is me, Mark Adams. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at MarkAdamsHC. You can also find me on Facebook, just search for Mark Adams Humanist Celebrant. My website is humanist.org.uk forward slash Mark Adams. Regular listeners to Life's Milestones can claim a 10% discount on a naming ceremony or a wedding by quoting milestones when you get in touch. The show's theme tune was written and performed by Colin Jackson-Brown and the logo created by Carl Bryan. You can follow the show on Twitter, at Life's Milestones. Hello everyone, this is Tony, Network Chief of We Made This. As you know, our podcast network brings together a brilliant assortment of talent who talk about all kinds of pop culture content, such as the episode you just listened to. We're not going anywhere, but we'd love to keep the lights on for even longer if you're able to support our network on Patreon. For just £2 a month, you get your name in lights, and the satisfaction of knowing you're helping us produce more great audio. And for £3 a month, you'll get your name in lights, but you'll also get access to an exclusive bi-monthly podcast from the We Made This Talent Pool on podcasting, pop culture, and, well, you tell us. We'll take your suggestions. For less than the price of a coffee per month, you can help keep We Made This going. Just head to patreon.com forward slash we made this, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash we made this and get the ball rolling. Elsewhere on We Made This. Cerebral Jukebox. Yeah, I suppose there's something quite freeing about not knowing the words. So even if they're super dark, you just don't know. So you can like, because you know you can get like a lot of songs which have a really cheerful musical undertone, but yeah. the actual meaning is quite nasty. And you're like, oh, this song is uh, is a bit much, really. But I suppose with um, songs that you you don't know the actual meanings of, it's just sort of remains it with its like innocent musical intention. I mean, obviously, Feliz Navidad is going to be a happy song. It's a Christmas song. Right in the childhood. So Fraser, have you heard of Round the Twist? 
I have not. And the only reason I've done that Australian accent is because I think you mentioned it last time that it was an Australian show. I did. So that's all I've got. So it's an Australian show from the early 90s. It's not like Home and Away or Neighbours. I mean, it has the same accents. I freaking say the same actors. There might be, I don't do, remember. They just do the same free shows over Wouldn't it be again. funny if Harold Bishop turned up? I was going to say, like, Chris Hemsworth or, like, one of them. Was Chris Hemsworth in Neighbours? Yeah. Was he? I think Margot Robbie was as well. Really? Kylie Minogue? Yeah. The but the thing is, it will be Kylie Minogue here. It'll be Kylie Minogue, Jason Donovan, uh, um, Stephen Dennis, Craig McLaughlin, all of these... Time is now, a Millennium podcast. To watch Millennium. And again, I'm, this I'm, is just, just to stress this, by the way, I was 18 at the time. So I'm yeah. just going to say that. Yeah, okay. I, I know. And, 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 and were you a Kiss fan, Kurt? Um, um, I was a rock fan. I don't think I was a Kiss fan, though, no. Yeah, because this, this is exactly the situation that you're in, where you're talking about, like, middle-aged men in suits in Hollywood who are trying to project what kids want from their entertainment and what will bring them in. It's the same logic that got you, for example, Coolio in the episode Or and Or of Space Above and Beyond, which is Fox desperately reaching into the darkness and trying to find something that would make kids watch it. Because it's, it's worth noting the Kiss where I believe in the middle of something close to... I, Kissonaissance? Is that what we'll call it? Check out all of these shows and more on the We Made This Podcast Network.